Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. So great, let me pray for us just before we start. Let's just bow our heads. Yeah, Lord, we, we just want to thank you for what you're busy with. Um, yeah, thank you for unity, Lord. And yeah, Lord, thank you for um, yeah, this, like Estelle also shared this last song, Lord. That it will be our hearts to, to, to strive to, to be holy, Lord. And to be open to what you press on our hearts. Thank you for what you are busy with in, in each one of us, Lord. To never stop with, with the sanctification process you are busy with, Lord. Thank you for that. You know, we pray, Lord, that, you know, that we will be open to whatever you lay on our hearts, Lord. And that we will you know, be open to, to repent, to pray for one another and to, to really trust you, to show us how does it look like, Lord, to, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you gave for us. Now we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So we are busy with Colossians for those of you that um, are new here, like Fiona, yourself. Um, <laughs> bye, welcome. And um, yeah, I, I just want to stop for a moment and just think about going through a book like this. Um, it was quite special for me. Um, just to, to see what, what thought patterns um, Paul used and, and that he wrote this letter for a specific church. And shouldn't that be always the way that we, that we look at the Bible man, or that we read the Bible? It, it was inspiring for me to go through this book like this. And I want to ask you something before we dive in. As you can see... Um, it's, well, last week we spoke about the gospel in, in the household, which, which was a relevant topic for all of us. And, and this week we are speaking about the workplace, even more, just as, just as relevant. Um, and um, so there's, there's a lot of chances here that, that, that it may apply very specifically to you. And, and that's why we also sang this song, Refine Us Fire, this morning as, as something in the end. And it just pressed on my heart for us to, to be willing that God can work. And, eh, otherwise, we can just come and go. And, eh, we can just show up and leave again. Amen? And, and to ask the question, what I want to ask is, what did you learn from this book of Colossians? We've, we've been through this for three months. Eh? What stood out for you? What is God busy with in your life? In the, I think it was the first sermon, Vian shared a lot about faith, hope, and love. Né? And that we should strive, and that that is the important things. And as we go through a book like this, we should be able to say that we have more hope and more faith and more love now after three months. Amen? And is that the case? Do you have more hope? Do you have more faith? Do you have more love? How does that look like? If we look at two of those, hope and love, it's easy for us to, 
to become hopeless né? in, in, a, in a world where negativity is, is all around us. We, we can easily fall into that trap of being hopeless né? and just go on with this negative, negative, negative spiral at work, like Stefan also mentioned. Today we are speaking about the workplace. Um, and do you have more love? Do you love more? Just, just to reflect on that, do you love more after these three months? This, the answer, if it's not yes, definitely, then you can be guilty of this coming and just going. I mean, just coming and just going. And how does it look like to grow? What should we do? We should stop né? and say, Lord, I am guilty of this and I repent of this and I, and I want to pray with someone for this. James 5 says it beautifully. He says that we should confess our sins to one another and pray for one another because the prayer of a righteous is powerful. Amen? So I'm going to give you a chance in the end né, to pray for one another. And please, everything, even the smallest thing that today comes to mind, write it down. Even if you have to take out your phone, I'll assume that you are not WhatsApping someone, eh? <laughs> that you are busy with the right thing. Or write it down in your book, whatever it may be, but don't let it go. Because then you won't see the growth that God wants you to grow in. Okay. The gospel in the workplace. So I think, like I said, this is quite relevant. Amen. I think it's a, if I meet someone, I'd probably ask them their name, and after that I'll ask them, what is your occupation? What are you doing for, for a living? And sometimes we also, we put a lot of worth in what we do, which is a good thing. Um, we should obviously find our identity in Jesus, but it's good to be proud of what you are doing. Um, we, we do find some dignity in that. But the, answer, the question is, not the answer yet, the question is, what, what should a Christian's life look like? Stefan mentioned something of that in the beginning, but what should it look like? And we need to be careful because it's not necessarily to only pray for everyone that you see, and, and, and reading them Bible verses. But what should it look like? Sometimes we, we may think that when we go to work or being, uh, having an occupation is, is something that is a result of the fall that happened with Adam and Eve because they sinned, now we have to work, which is not the case. Now God gave Adam the work to till the ground and to take care of the Garden of Eden. In fact, scripture teaches us that we will probably work in heaven. How it says, we will work in heaven in Luke 19, it says, those who are faithful with their gifts and talents on earth will be rewarded with overseeing cities in the, in the coming kingdom. That's interesting, eh? In Revelation 21, we see this picture of a holy city, Jerusalem, coming to earth. And if I think, if I think of a city, I think of something you know, that has education, that has the law, there's businesses, there's stuff going on. We're not going to be sitting around in a cloud. <laughs> That's if you go to heaven, I'm joking. <laughs> no, but 
we are not going to sit in a cloud, no? I mean, we are, we are going to be busy with, with something. We are basically busy going through a test no? for what we are going to be doing. And it's interesting to think of it that way. God is a worker too. Um, in fact, uh, he creates, he sustains six, work, six days he worked and one day he rested. And he does not sleep nor slumbers, says Psalm 121. He also works and this is a way that we can bring honor to him and imitate God. And the question again is, how can we live in a way that brings him glory, that brings him honor? How can we do our work in that way? And, and as I'm asking these questions, I, wanna, I want you to stop and to think about it. Now, how does your life look like when you are at work? And I'm going to give you some guidelines um, where you can test it. <laughs> what does this transformed, look like, transformed life look like if you are fully following Jesus, what does your life look like? If I'm a transformed man, you know, being born again, my life changes, I'm a changed man, my household changes like we heard last week. And then also my workplace should change. And Vian asked a very good question last week, he said, and he asked the question that if I remove the gospel from your life, what will that look like in your workplace? That's the question I have for you. He asked, how would it change your, your home? So how would that change your workplace? If I remove the gospel, if you were not a Christian, will you look different? It's a good way to think about it. Try to quickly reflect, what do I do by being a Christian at, at work? Because we should be looking radically different, amen? If I, if I put a non-Christian and a Christian next to each other, just by simply you being a Christian, you should be your company's best worker, amen? Because we work for the Lord. This also the scripture that we will be reading. Your, your, your work is your primary mission field. If you are a teacher, you are working with children. Eh? If you are even a housewife, you are working with your children and your husband and co-workers, obviously. Um, if you are at the, at the school or a businessman, it's your clients. What should it look like? How should your life look like? How, how can you bring the light and be the salt of the earth? That's what the Bible encourages us to do. So I'm going to dive in. Let's read together from Colossians 3, from verse 22 until um, chapter 4, verse 1. If it's not there, you can just read with me or listen. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with a sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. 
So we're gonna, I'm just gonna start off. There's a bit of an elephant in the room, and it's that first word which says bond servants. That word is, is easily or you're easily translated to slaves. Um, in most Bibles you read, it will be slaves. And it, it almost, if we read that, it almost sounds as if Paul is saying that slavery is okay. We all know slavery is a bad thing, right? <laughs> in the way that people are not paid and there's no rights given to them. Um, and let's start with that. Slavery is wrong and the Bible does not approve it. May 1 Timothy 1 verse 10 says that the law is there for the disobedient and then also in there is the enslavers, people that enslave other people. But there was a kind of slavery amongst the Jews that were not forced. It was willing. There was a, it was a free willing thing to do. I needed to pay off debt or I needed um, yeah, to just provide for my family. So I went to work for someone, just the way that we are doing work today. Yeah? And it, it, was, it wasn't a forced thing, but scripture never sought this abolishment of this because there's, there was a healthy way. And that's what Paul is regulating here. And if there's slaves in the Bible, you'll see that the Bible highly regulates it by just for instance, in Exodus 21, it says that if you mistreat a slave, you must let them go free. They can, they can go free. In Deuteronomy 23, it says that you shall not oppress a slave. And if that slave leaves and they come to you, you need to let them in. Okay, and there's another rule that after seven years, you have to let all slaves go and they can make the choice to stay with you. And then they get the earring and then they are your bond servant. They are someone that's permanently your slave. Okay, and that's a willing thing. Um, I just want to elaborate. So it's, it's a bit of a teaching um, before we get into it. But to be honest, the New Testament, the slavery was cruel. Okay, so Romans were oppressing slaves and they basically saw slaves as equipment. Um, and they when they buy a new farm, they throw out the old equipment and they literally let the slaves die. And so they, they saw them as, as not as people, obviously, which didn't have any rights. And, and that type of slavery, it is not right. And we may ask the question, why didn't Paul abolish this? And why, didn't he, why didn't he say this type of slavery should stop? And I want to give you three reasons. He did it, in fact, but I want to give you the reasons. It, made more, it makes more sense. So in slavery in those days, were part of the social fabric, um, almost like the economy today, and they were um, very dependent upon slavery, like cars today. If we don't have cars, probably won't be a lot of economy, right? Second reason was the Romans would have acted very violently uh, upon something like this, and it would probably be seen as something as a social party. Um, no slavery, you know, with, with big banners. No slavery, okay. And they would have acted violently upon this, and the gospel would have been misseen as something, like I said, as a social party. Like we see a lot of um, strikes today. Eh? But the third reason, the most important reason, is a system is seldomly the issue. It's always the heart of man that's the issue. 
So when you have a, a good system and there's sinful people, you'll have problems. Okay? And what Paul is trying to do here, he is trying to change the heart. He knew that it's not a political matter, but a spiritual matter. And by changing the heart of the master and the slave, you, you will abolish slavery in itself. There will always be sinful people, and they, where sinful people are, there will always be sin, social injustice. LGBTQ, I'm for abortion, whatever the case may be, where there's sinful people, there will be social injustice. Okay, so when you change something, you want to change the heart, and that is what Paul did. Slavery was abolished a few centuries um, from there. So let's dive into verse 22. So it says, bond servants, or also what we can call it is employees, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with a sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. So the first thing here we want to focus on is obey in everything. Why should we obey our earthly masters? So I'm going to give us a few reasons. The first one is, the way you do your work tells me something about what you believe, and it also tells me something about your God. Amen? It's in fact the same thing, what we believe. So if I see that you are not doing your work well, I'm probably not going to listen to you with the same ears. And then if you want to give me the gospel, wouldn't make sense, right? Because when you enter a contract with a company, you sign there, eh? and you say that this time that I spend at this company is yours. Eh? You, you, you agree on that, and we all sign there. And we know that the Bible says, let your yes be your yes. Eh? And then if you play games at work, or you are always late, whatever the, the case might be, when you then share the gospel with someone, it will look a bit weird. Eh? They would probably not see you as someone with a value, valuable insight. It's almost like asking someone that can really not play guitar to ask him, can I, will you teach me to play the guitar? I will ask someone that's very skillful in that. We will probably ask people that we look up to in life to teach you things of life, amen? And therefore, the way that you do your work in obedience is really, really important because people look at what you do. They look at how you do it. They look at how you do your work. How should we do it? Heartily, as for the Lord. The second reason is the book of Romans also teaches us um, that no authority exists except that given by God. And we may like it or not, but God gives the authority that's, that's above you. He also promotes who he wants. Amen? He's the ultimate authority. Okay, Romans says, it's not on the board, but it says, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. That's the word of God. 
when we disobey our, our employers, we, we are actually rebelling against God and his authority above you. And then you might ask, okay, but what about this knucklehead guy, you know, this ungodly employer? And I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Let me give you the answer. We see, we see this beautiful um, um, you know, story of David, yeah, where he, so this guy wants to be killed by his boss. Yeah. I hope that's not the case with you. If that's the case, please come to me. <laughs> but he wants, yeah, Saul literally wants to kill him, kill him for, for 10 years. And he said that I won't touch God's anointed. Sarov. Listen to what, what Christ commands um, in Matthew 23. It says, Jesus said to the crowds and to the disciples, sorry, it's not on the board, but it says that the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Okay, so therefore, it's okay if they do not, you know, you should listen to them. That's important. But we know that when they do things that are not biblical, then we have this beautiful example of act, um, P- Peter in Acts 5, we say, where he said, we must obey God rather than men. Amen. So when your boss is acting in an unbiblical way or asking you things that are not biblical, then you, you have a foot to stand on. But if he's asking you to go and do certain things, you should obey. Okay, obviously in line with, with what God wants. Okay, and this, this example I used with Peter is quite radical. He was spreading the gospel and they came to him, the Pharisees, and they, they said to him, you should stop. And he said that we must obey God rather than men and they wanted to kill him. So both of these examples is quite severe where these people were radically obedient. And that is what scripture teaches us, ne? quite important. So how should we also obey? Christian employees obey by not delaying obedience. A, de- a delayed obedience is not obedience. We, we all have mothers who loves us and we all have rooms that needs to be cleaned. And if, if your mother asks you to clean your room and you do it after a week, it's not obedience. Ne? Ne, Jurgens. <laughs> now it's, it's important to, to, to obey by not delaying. Okay? When he asks you something, it's, it won't be right to, to still drink a coffee and have a chat for an hour and then do it. Coffee's good, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but at the right time. Eh? Christian employees but obey also by not complaining. This we like, man, that's a difficult one. And we like to complain. We, we complain about everything. We are masters in, the, in that area. Né? We complain about the salary, complain about our leave, complain about our coworkers. We shouldn't be complaining. Né? We live in a world where everyone complains. It's that, that hope that Colossians is, is talking about. When we have the hope in Jesus, we remember and where our hope comes from, that we shouldn't complain, eh? That's something 
you know, that both, a lot of us are maybe guilty there. <clears throat> so that's the first point, work by being obedient. Our second point, um, let, me, let me read for us verse 22 again. It says, not by way of eye service. As people pleasers, we like to, to please people. But with a sincerity of heart, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. It's really easy <laughs> to work well when someone is looking over your shoulder, amen? We all had that boss looking over your shoulder at your screen, you know, and um, then you operate, you know. <laughs> but what do you do when he, when he goes back into the office? I want to share a story. When I was a, a young boy, Stefan was also guilty of this, but <laughs> we, uh, I'm going to finish the story first. We, we sat in front of the TV, you know, and we, 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 we knew that our mother told us we should study, you know, this afternoon, there's, a, there's tests coming up, it's test week or whatever it may be, and we knew the sound of the gate in front made like a lacquer sound. So when we hear that gate, we run eh, to, our, to our rooms and we throw out all the pens that it looks like we are very busy. And uh, then our mother comes there in the room and she knew, she probably knew we were messing with her. Eh? She's like, are you studying? And we're like, obviously. <laughs> obviously we're busy, can't you see? And she's like, no, that's cool. I'm gonna ask you tonight, you know? And then, yeah, we had trouble. So. Oh, well, the point that I'm making is also that when, if your boss are gone and you do not do your work, you also get, in, in the first place you get lazy, but in the second place you, you, do, you do not excel in your work, you know, because if your mother then asks you questions, you can't answer it. So, you know, so it also makes you a better worker to do the work as heartily as for the Lord. You know. He's always looking. He's always seeing what you are doing and not doing. And we'll come to that now. And, and therefore, you being a Christian, you should be, the, like I said, the best worker in your company. Just, just by being loving Jesus. So do your work with a sincerity of heart and, and with reverence for the Lord. In those days, of the Romans, slaves, they worked like shutdown hours and more. 12, 14 hours a day. They didn't have chance to even come to church. So if you were someone that loves God and you were to, to serve somewhere, where would you serve? You would serve there where you work. Eh? With your boss, or with your slaves that that was your mission field and you were ordained by God for that job being a slave so just to reflect on whatever you do whether it's even going to school you are ordained by God for that job the authorities that's above you is there to make you grow it's important people don't read their Bibles, but they, they read you, I can promise you. How should we look different? Nah, we, sh we shouldn't laugh at dirty jokes, nah? swear, 
because it's a cool thing. Slander, gossip should be different. Amen. So let me, let's keep, keep on going. Our, our third point, it's we should, we should work with a view of God's judgment. Nee? Let me read us verse 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Just find my place. In those days, slaves couldn't earn anything. They couldn't. In, in our days, we, can, we earn a lot of things. We have a car outside, we drive home, we have food, we have a place to sleep. They couldn't earn anything. So to tell them that there will be an inheritance is quite radical for them. They were like, what? I can own something. And that should be also our, our look, our view of things. It should be that we should work for this inheritance. This, this kingdom perspective when we do our work. And the good news is knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. But the bad news is the next verse which says, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. And yes, like, there's a lot of things, like I said, to complain about. Ne? We have a boring work, we're underpaid. When is someone going to see what I mean for this company? Now, when is someone going to see that I'm actually valuable? And God is the one that sees that. This is just a temporary thing and we know that the Bible speaks of this is our tent. And we are going to our, our eternal home one day to remember that we are working for the Lord and that he keeps track and it's actually a comfort that he keeps track of all these things. We see beautiful examples in scripture also of people that worked diligently, although their circumstances were tough. David were probably one of them. But there were two others also that I want to mention. The one is Jacob, who worked for his dishonest uncle Laban, who cheated him with his daughters, right? And in the end, God made him prosper. He saw that. We saw this with Joseph as well. In the first place, he was thrown in a pit. And then he was sent off to Egypt where he served as a slave in, in Potiphar's household. But God promoted him to head steward of that whole household. He saw Joseph's, the diligency of his life. And Paul wanted slaves to know and he wants us to know that the real discipline and the real reward comes from God. He's the one that puts people above you. He's also the one that rewards and that disciplines. It's important. We, we will then ultimately seek to serve God and not men. Okay. Not fearing our employers. The last verse goes like this. 
Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. And you would probably say, no, I'm not a master. I'm not a boss. Yeah, no, it's maybe true. But one day you'll probably be over someone. If, um, if God promotes you and there's anyone beneath you, you are, you are their boss. You are their, their master. Not necessarily their employer, but their boss in a sense. Even someone that, that works in your home one day maybe. You are the master of that person. And therefore, master treat your employees justly and fairly. There's a beautiful um, piece, um, there's a beautiful book, Philemon. I don't know who of you have read this book. You're probably thinking I'm making a joke. Is there some book like that? Yes, there is. Ne? And it's about Philemon was a slave owner and Onesimus was his slave. And he probably stole something from him. And Onesimus escaped and he went and he met Paul. And Paul helped this guy and this guy, Onesimus, came to salvation. There where Paul was. It's very interesting. And Paul sent this guy back to Philemon. That's what the book is about. And I want to read you Philemon 1. There's only one chapter from verse 15 to 16, which goes like this. Perhaps the reason, he's writing to Philemon now, perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good. No longer as a slave, but better, better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. And, and Paul is actually encouraging Philemon to not only take him back as a slave after he probably stole something, but to love him back as a brother. And if you are a master, do you love your employees? In those days, there weren't the labor law. Eh? You were the one that made the rules. If you had a slave, you treated him as you want. And this is, this is quite radical, what Paul is saying. He's quite, saying, treat these people justly and fairly. And they're like, what? They, don't, they have no rights. I'm the one who makes their rights. And that's what a slave owner would say. And for us, what, what does that mean? It means that we, Paul is encouraging us to love these people as our brothers. Not, not as servants. And just a few questions if you are a master or you've ever been one. Or, and, and remember these because if you are going to be one, it's going to be applicable. But are you praying for the people that's working beneath you? Are you praying for them? If anyone reports to you, we like to, to also moan about this, complain about the people that does not do their job at the bottom. Do we pray for them? And I'm not saying it's okay to complain. Eh? Are you encouraging them to do good work and good integrity? Do you reward good integrity? Are you giving them fair discipline? This is important. Are you actually telling them when they are wrong? Because by not doing so, they can do something that maybe frustrates you and you leave it and you leave it and it boils up, may, may make you act 
in an ungodly way at some stage. It may also look as if you are promoting sin, if you are not addressing those things. Proper discipline. And the last thing, are you modeling Christ? How do you respond when, when they fail? When they maybe damage your business, you know, your income is on, on the line. How do you respond? They are looking and make a mistake. And remember that there's a new authority now above us, masters. Remember that you have a master in heaven. There's someone that we report to. Amen. And we should give grace as we receive grace. Give love as we received love from Jesus and from God. When we are a new man, we make a new work environment. So if, if, if you are new today and you feel that you know, God has done something in your life, change what you do in the workplace. Amen. A city on a hill cannot be hid. So I want us to, you know, let's, let's just close our eyes. Let's just think of these things. If you um, wrote something down, you know, praying to that, I'm going to pray for us. I think, let's, I just want to give us a moment just to, to respond, just talk to God, just tell him, yo Lord, this thing in my life, yes, there is maybe this issue. So yo, let's, let's, let's just close our eyes. Yo Lord, we, and we want to thank you, Lord, that you are busy in our lives. Thank you that we, yeah, Lord, that we are, we are all guilty. But may it be our hearts, Lord, to become holy, like this song sings. Purify our hearts, Lord. Help us to partner with you, Lord. We want to confess, Lord. We want to repent. May that be our heart's desire, Lord. So just there where you are sitting, if there's anything God laid on your heart, just bring it to him. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry. If there's nothing you can think about, just be quiet and, and ask the Lord to show you, because there is something. Oh Lord, thank you that you want to heal us. You want to heal the way that we live our lives in the workplace, Lord. Thank you that things that come out in the workplace is often things that's deep-rooted in our hearts coming from a young age, Lord. And I just sense that do not rush past this moment. Do not rush past this moment. Deal with that thing. I want to ask you just there where you are, if you, if you have something on your heart, let's just turn to, to someone next to you or close to you that you trust. You are welcome to come to the front. I'll be here. 
will be someone else um, in front as well. Just to pray about those things. James, tell us to confess our sins to one another and pray with one another. Just there we are. And if you are done, you are welcome to grab a coffee. Uh, enjoy the evening. Do not rush past this.